Great to see you in the house today and also for all of those that are watching online, it is so great to have you with us today as uh, we talk about Vision Sunday, uh, where God has taken us over the last 12 months and where God has taken us into the future. And, you know, our theme for the year is the whole idea of homecoming, which I just thought is really, really cool. Considering the last two years have been such a challenge for church communities, I do want to honour you for sticking with us over the last two years. I think you need to give yourselves a hand, just a hand, in terms of just the the loyalty and the commitment in being in the house of God. And uh, I just thought it's a really cool theme of homecoming that we are reminded again of the power of this community, that there is healing in this community. There is faith in this community. God does something powerful when people come together and honour the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk to you for a few moments just about this community. It is amazing what this community has done over the number of years that this community has been established. It has given millions of dollars to missions. It has seen hundreds, if not thousands of people come and give their lives to Christ. It has reached out to local communities that has fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And my encouragement to you this morning is never underestimate the power of this community. Church, never devalue this community. Never disregard this community because there is power when God's people come together in unity, if you believe it, say amen. So I want to just read to you for just a couple of ideas around the community. We're going to talk about the table this morning. Who likes the table out there? And so uh, we're going to talk about that. And, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 to 19. I love what Paul says in the Message Bible. He says this, Now Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. In other words, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He's talking about two different cultures, two different people groups, but because of the cross of Jesus, God brings them together. He's treated us as equals. And so he made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. Now that's plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. And I love this last bit. God is building a home. He's building a home. Not because we are of anything special but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And he's saying the power of what Jesus did for all of us, the result of what he did at the cross, is the very thing that brings us together. And you know what I've realised over these last two years? Our different positions of world events are not going to bring us together. Have you noticed that? We've got so many different positions out there. There have been many times over the two years that people have tried to get me to speak into their position. But I want to say this today, that our different world positions are not going to bring us together, but the blood of Jesus is going to bring us together. And what Jesus did on the cross is going to bring us together. And if you think about it, this is what really Paul is saying. 
Yes, God bridged the gap between man and himself. But God also bridged the gap between different cultures and different people groups and different ways of life and different ways of thinking, not because of who we are, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. I love what he says here, the cross got us to embrace and that was the end of the hostility. And church, God is building a spiritual home, not a building, not just an event, not just a program. Listen, if you come here every Sunday, thank you that you're coming. But if you think this is just a program or a building or an event, there is so much more to this community. God is building a spiritual home. You know, I always remember when Frank and I first stepped into this building here 12 years ago when we'd come from Adelaide and we knew no one at all. And then I remember jumping back in the car and I said to Frank, what do you think? And she said to me something so powerful I'll never forget. She said, we are home. We're home. This is our home. And even though we left our home, and even for her leaving all the generations of her family back in Adelaide, when we arrived here in Melbourne, God is saying to us, I've created a spiritual home for you. And just like God has created a spiritual home for us, God has created a spiritual home for you as well. And you know what? The enemy has tried to divide this home. It has tried to distract people from understanding the value of this home, to diminish the importance that this home can have in our personal lives. I want to tell you right off the bat, this home is not perfect. And like any home, we can have arguments and disagreements. But at the same time, we'll be there for each other. We'll walk with each other. We'll cry with each other. We'll laugh with each other. We'll pray for one another because this home is different because Christ is at the head of this home. It's interesting the amount of people that have connected with this home over the last 12 months in a season of lockdowns and shutdowns. It's amazing how God has continued to bring people into this home. And I wanted to give you some stats. What I love about our Vision Sunday is that we just don't talk about dreams and visions, what we want to do, but we also talk about what we've done. And I want to commend you that as a church, we've always been a very practical church. We've always been a church that have been committed to reaching out into the community, not just a church that just loves to have a great worship service on a Sunday morning, but to actually take that inspiration and to take that conviction and actually to take it out into the cities of Melbourne and into the nations of the world. And you know, we care just over the last 12 months have just been absolutely outstanding. And I want to honour Jenna and Franca and all the team. <laughs> Natalie's there every week and... And I last year, Stephen was there as well, helping out tremendously. And do you want to thank again Rana and Stephen just for, for, for just blessing us with all the fruit and veggies over that period of time. But just looking at 2021, now remember, in a season of lockdown for many businesses and many organisations, we were able to provide 66,000 meals for people right across Melbourne. Can we have, the, have we got these stats up? Have we? They'll come up. There you go. Oh, no, we'll keep it there. That's fine. 66,000 meals. Think about it. If your sole ministry was just to feed one person breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it would take you 60 years compared to what we did in 12 months. That adds up to roughly 37,000 kilos of food 
over the last 12 months, representing over 17,000 individual people that have been impacted by our food program last year alone. Church, that is amazing. That's amazing because you stepped out, decided to give, and as a church, we made a decision. We're not going to lockdown. Oh, we may not meet together on a Sunday, but the church will continue to operate. You need to understand, church is just not what happens here on an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. I know people were losing their mind last year because church was locked down. Let me say this to you in all of our campuses. Church was not locked down. We continued to minister to the community. We continued to touch people's lives and missions right across the globe. We continued to preach the gospel. People were getting saved in our online presence. Church was not locked down. It just looked a little bit different. And even though everything else was, was, was going all over the place, God was still blessing our church. And I began to think about that. And the reality is 90% of that came out of Dandenong. That's why I just believe it's so important for us to get these other hubs established. Just imagine what God would do in the city of Casey. Imagine if we can double and triple that number over the next five years. I just believe it's in the realm of possibility. Not only that, but just our online stats of people watching online has actually been quite amazing. You know, even before COVID, it was interesting. God started to stir our hearts about setting up our online. And I remember talking to the board about it and it was a quite a significant investment. And within a few months of us actually setting up our online presence, then COVID hit. And the very, I remember the guys telling me this, the very equipment that we had bought had now completely run out of Australia because everyone else was trying to buy the same equipment. It was almost like God was preparing this church ready for our online presence. Our online broadcasts have been viewed in over 18 different countries. We've seen over 80,000 views of our YouTube content alone in 2021, over 200,000 since 2020. Between YouTube and Facebook, we've collectively uh, they've been watched over 30,000 hours of content alone. And if you think about it, I mean, this is just the beginning. These are individuals of people that have been impacted by the gospel, people that we would have never been able to reach during the COVID season. Each of those 75,000 people in some way has been reached through our social media. And I would encourage you this morning, do not despise the days of small beginnings. You don't know where God is going to take the online evangelism for this church. You know, a few uh, weeks ago, we were invited, because some people had seen our online presence, we're invited to participate in an online cohort to fund online evangelism. And some of the greatest minds in this space have asked us to come as part of this cohort. Some of these guys, Christian guys, were actually involved in the startup of Pixar. And they've said, we want, you to, we want to help you shape the next season, the life of your church online, so that you're not just reading, reaching thousands, but you're reaching millions. And we're going to help you how to do that. Because we understand that there's an anointing of God upon this church. Something that we didn't pursue, something that actually came to us. Isn't that amazing? So we think about the stuff that we've been doing online. We... Think about our building programs. Let me just encourage you that if you've recently joined us by watching us online, welcome. We pray that you'll find this as your spiritual home as well. And we can't wait to hear your stories 
about what God is doing in your life. I've met someone the other day. I said, how long have you been going to our church? She said, 12 months. And I realized they joined our church during COVID. I just think that is absolutely so cool. God is building His church. We can't think about our building programs. As you know, we started them before COVID. And I must admit, in the middle of COVID, I thought, what the worst time in the world to start any building program. And yet God has been faithful as we began to build, not just buildings, but spiritual homes. And I wanted to give you an update. And you know, we've talked about this for a number of months now, but finally, everyone say finally. Finally, in our Waverley campus, the builders have officially started after months and months and months and months of planning and preparation and strategy and finding the best deals. And our church community in Chadston that is now evolving into Waverley has been transient for so many years. But what a wonderful place for them to land as they move into their new home this year. Think about what God is doing in Casey. And as you know, we mentioned it late last year that there was, we had finally planning approval from the council, which I think is absolutely amazing. And I remember preaching at Casey even before I came to this church. I was invited to come and uh, remember, because I knew Adrian back at Paradise. And I just remember being in, in a room of about 40 people in a small room. And you look at Casey now. God is just doing something absolutely astronomical in that region. And how God has blessed that community. The fact that we're receiving planning approval is just a miracle in itself. And uh, this is the year about getting all those plans in place. They're going to take a while, all the engineering, all the detailed plans, all the structural plans. But we believe, we want to encourage you to pray with us. We're believing that at the beginning of next year, we can break ground. And if you think about it, we're not just building this for our generation, but we're building this for generations to come. You know, guys that were involved in the building of this, some of them have passed away that were building in this building location here in Daniel. They probably would have never imagined that the seed of this building has now touched so many other people's lives. And you know what? Maybe when that building is at its complete fulfillment, we won't be around anymore, but we can say we were a part of a multi-generational blessing, not just for our generation, but for the generations to come. So in COVID, our, our building programs uh, continue. Our global outreach continues to be strong. And just since July 2021, right in the middle, I think that was lockdown then, right in the middle of lockdown, these are some of the nations that we supported. We supported Myanmar, which right now, we gave support to the persecuted church. We've been sending funds to assist Christians in this nation where they are just facing ongoing crisis since the military coup about a year ago. And that crisis has seen villages and churches burnt to the ground, horrific violence and thousands displaced. And we've been able to send funds over there. You know, I remember getting a, a, a call from, who used to be the, one of the head uh, of the AC or AOG over there in Myanmar. And they said, we don't have any oxygen tanks. We have so many people that are dying from COVID and we need money to buy oxygen tanks. And we were, our church, we were able to send funds over there so they can actually buy some of the basic needs like oxygen. Uh, we were able to support the refugees that have escaped Afghanistan since, since the Taliban have taken over. Of Afghanistan, thousands have been displaced and as a church, we've been able to send funds to assist the refugees arriving in nearby nations. We've been a part of actually funding that and supporting that. We've been doing church planting in Japan now. And let me tell you, Japan needs Jesus, needs to have an encounter with God. Only 1% of the populations have actually had an encounter with Christ. 
and we've been supporting two church plants in Japan as they reach the Japanese nations. You think about Lesetto. Uh, we've been expanding the cool at Sefer, uh, expanding the capacity for the school at Safera, and as you know, Josh and Belinda Groves are great missionaries of of our movement, and they have been doing an outstanding work in getting kids off the streets with quality education and giving them a brand new life. Again, we've been able to help them build significant structures over there that is going to help them expand and grow their educations with the kids. Vietnam, we've been a long-term supporter of Vietnam. We've been giving medical assistance for vulnerable children. We've been supporting clinics in Vietnam to detect and prevent illness in children. We continue to fund the, the work of the ACC or the AOG World Relief with Kelvin and Beck Windsor and Paul and Deb Hilton. As you know, we've been long-term supporters of in Cambodia with Mother's Heart. And we've been supporting, uh, helping vulnerable women who've been living on the streets during the pandemic. You know what? Some of us here in Australia have lost their jobs. People have lost their homes. People living in the streets in Cambodia. We've been able to send funds over there to actually help them and support them. And right across in different countries around the globe, countries that I can't mention here today because this is online, but the persecuted church. I can assure you that we've been sending money over to different nations and different parts of the world where people have lost their livelihood and lost their churches and their buildings and we've been able to send them support from Australia. And when you think about what Paul says about the cross, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. God is bringing this church with people groups from all around the globe together, not because of man's empty philosophy, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I've always said this, COVID may have closed people down, but praise God, we've been still able to support and encourage and be the church that God has called us to be. Amongst all this, I believe that 2022 is gonna be a year of development for our church, for this household of faith. In 2022, we want to increase the, the, the discipleship and the training of this house. We want to equip every Christian to understand the Bible and their faith. What I realise about COVID, people have some really strange ideas about the Word of God. And it's our responsibility as leaders and as pastors to train. And so this year, our Faith Academy, we're going to be doing many masterclasses. Can I encourage you, if you want to go deeper in the Word of God in 2022, sign up for one of our masterclasses. We've got world-class teaching from experienced Bible scholars. One of them who's just moved over from Perth is Dr. Ashley Crane, who's an author and an expert on the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to be talking about biblical interpretation and the Old Testament what was God saying then? And now what is God saying to us now? The New Testament, understanding the culture that Jesus lived in. A lot of people quote Jesus, but they do it through their own lens of interpretation. Well, you need to understand the culture of what Jesus lived in in order to understand in the fullness and the depth of the Scriptures of what He was actually saying. We're going to do a whole masterclass on the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see the Holy Spirit evident in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let me just say this. Our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we can learn from why the Holy Spirit moved back then in the Old Testament and the way the Spirit of God moved upon the early church. And so to get an understanding of that and a depth of that is so important for this generation. If you believe it, say Amen. So let me encourage you to make 2022 the year that you'll grow in your understanding of the Word of God. Not understanding about world events, 
There's heaps of that going around, not understanding about all the politics, but what about going deeper in the Word of God? And like the Ephesians, the Bible uses many metaphors when it comes to talking about the household of faith. I just used one of them in the book of Ephesians. But one of the repeated analogies that God often uses to teach us the power of the church community and the power of kingdom community is actually what happens around the table, the dining table, the, the, the banqueting table, the dinner table. There's many scriptures in the Word of God that, that speak about the importance of the table because the table was the natural place that people would get nourished and fed. It's interesting that when they built the temple, they talk about the table that was there. It was a piece of furniture reminding them that they served a God that was there to nourish them and help them and bring health into their souls. But the table also speaks about a place where people come together in the Old and the New Testament and so many different cultures around the world and the table represents community. It represents connection. It represents conversation. You know, Franker and I, growing up, we come from two very different tables. When we used to eat at the dinner table, it was all about, we were there for a task. And that was to eat. And once the job was done, then we'd go. German efficiency at its best at the dinner table. <laughs> and our table was like that. We'd come to get nourished and fed, a couple of little conversations, and then we'd move on. But Frank's table, the Italian table was completely different. It was loud. It was messy. There were crumbs on the table. There was pasta sauce on the table. First time I came and sat at that table, Nora came up to me. She just made schnitzel. She goes, here, try this, and stuck that right in my mouth. <laughs> there was no order at that table. Because it was just all about all coming together, the, the saucepan spilling over of the sauce and the, the meatballs. I remember when I first came, I remember sitting there just really quiet because everyone was around the dinner table. I thought they were all having arguments, but they were just trying to talk all over each other about their day and what was happening and things like that. The dinner table would go on for hours. I remember when I first met her extended family, my first picture of her family, all of her aunties, I, I walked into her auntie's place with Franca and she was leading me. I felt like I was being led like a lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> I didn't know whether there was mafia there. I had no idea. <laughs> Would I survive this? And they were all in these high back chairs on the long dinner table. And as I walked in, they all turned around and looked at me. Then I heard one of them say, ah, he's a nice German boy. <laughs> and that was it, I was in for life. When we were uh, living in Adelaide, for many years, every Tuesday, we'd go to Nonna's table. And when our kids were young, I still remember all the high chairs around the table. But as they got older, the adults would sit at the dinner table and the kids, when they were three or five, we, they wanted their own table. And so we set up the little glass coffee table and we bought little plastic chairs. And there the kids were there when they were three to five years old and they'd sit there. 
and they'd have their own little table. And as we were discussing adult things, I could hear them discussing kids' things. Who poked them in the eye at the playground? Who messed up their drawing? Who annoyed them? Who breathed on them? Who looked at them the wrong way? They had their little table as they grew up. The little plastic chairs became too small. I remember one day we looked at them and they're a lot older now. They're still sitting on the little plastic chairs. We said, maybe it's time for them to upgrade to the big table. I think it was James who was telling me the other day. He said, I remember asking, can we sit at the big table? No, you're not quite ready yet. You still stay at your table. But soon the day came is that they began to sit at the bigger table. And, you know, now the cousins and all of them are complete giants. They're bigger than us. We needed a bigger table. Last Christmas, we were in Adelaide. There was 11 of us in one house. There was only half of us. I remember Christmas Day coming into uh, my brother-in-law Ben's house. Had a, it was no longer one table, but it was four tables put together. 25, 26 people around the table. Church, I love the table. Something powerful that happens at the table. When we come home as a family, we make every effort to be together at the table, around the table. We don't just get fed physically, but our relationships get fed, our conversations get fed. There are times that we disagree at the table. We have conflict at the table. We share our frustrations at the table, but we've made a decision as a family. We will never, ever neglect the table. No matter how busy we are, no matter how many things go on in the world, that table is our place of nourishment and health. A few years ago, we, we gave our old table away. It's funny, you know, we, we got a new lounge this year because our old lounge, I was going through some old photos over Christmas time and it was the same lounge that was there when our kids were born. I remember sitting there with Alessandra in my arms and the, the, the same blanket that was over that lounge, the red blanket, we still, I thought, we've got to get rid of this blanket. It's like 30, 20, 24 years old, this blanket. We gave our old table away, our first table. <laughs> And it was scratched and it was dented. But I remember saying to Franka, there's a lot of history at that table. Yeah, someone's in church life, you get scratched and you get dented. <laughs> but there's a lot of history. Good history. History of health and conversations. God's table. Not only the table represents physical nourishment and community, but God's table represents spiritual nourishment and community. We can receive from the household of faith. And uh, I was reading about two tables in the Word of God that I just wanted to leave with you this morning that I really felt was a Word of God for our church. And the Bible talks about a number of different tables in the Old and the New Testament, but I want to take a couple of them out. The first one is in Psalm 23, and we can have it up there. Look at this, I'm becoming a bit interactive here today. hope this thing doesn't break. But Psalm 23, I, I want to read this to you because one of my favourite psalms is in Psalm 23. It is the most famous psalm of all. It's just a phenomenal psalm. It's a psalm of David and we know it very well. But he says, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk 
through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil for you're with me. Let me say, church, this is right now, this is great for people that are living in fear. There is such a culture of fear in our society right now. But we don't need to fear the darkest valley because God is with us. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen to verse five. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David says this unusual thing. Remember, this is God the shepherd. He's speaking about the shepherd bringing restoration and health to his soul. But then he talks about this table in verse five. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some people would say the enemies were sitting at the table. David is actually not saying that. What David is saying is that God has spread out a table before him in the presence of all the things that would cause anxiety and grief in David's life. And you have to ask yourself, well, what table? What table was it? Was it a table just for David to get fed? No, I think it was a lot more than that. Because the based on the fact that David says, you anoint my head with oil. You see, when you anoint someone with oil before the dinner table, there's a sense of preparation. And scholars will actually say that this just wasn't a table, but this was a banquet. And what type of banquet was David referring to? As he prepares himself to sit at the banqueting table, you know what type of banquet it was? It was a banquet of thanksgiving. It was a banquet of thanksgiving. Throughout David's life, you will see throughout the Psalms, Peppered throughout the Psalms, there was a theme of thanksgiving. And in the midst of restoration and what God was doing, David comes to the banquet of thanksgiving that God has spread out before him in the presence of his enemies. And I believe that it wasn't just a banquet to look after David's personal needs, but it was a challenge to David saying this, in the midst of all the pressure and in the midst of all of the enemies of your soul, God lays out a table of thanksgiving and will you partake and say, God, I thank you and I worship you and I honour you for what you're doing in my life. You can tell that David partook because he says that my cup overflows. He was sitting at the banqueting table of thanksgiving. And I would challenge us as a, as a community in 2022, let's make this house a table of thanksgiving. Right. Not a table of whinging. Not a table of all the stuff that's going on and how horrible it is. But do you think in 2022 we can shift our focus and come with a banquet of thanksgiving, saying, God, I thank you and I honour you, and I bless you, and I worship you. And that was really the challenge that God was putting out to David in the midst of his enemies where he should have been living in fear and concern. God says, come on, switch over. I'm putting a banquet before you and it's a banquet of thanksgiving. Participate and worship and honour me in the midst of those things and you will see breakthrough. I believe that if we come with a spirit of thanksgiving in 2022, we will be amazed at what God will do in our church this year. If we make a decision that we're going to live in faith, we're going to have an attitude of faith. 
where they're going to come with a spirit of appreciation. You know, literally, I was talking to someone who's in intensive care right now because they're so crook. And he was coughing and spluttering. And he was saying to me, I just thank God that God has led me through this. I thank God I should be dead by now, but praise God that even though I'm crook, I'm not going to come out the other end. Just the spirit of thanksgiving. Oh, there was enemies to his health all around him. Viruses and things like that. But he made a decision. I'm going to come to the banquet of thanksgiving and give my praise to God. The second challenge that I think is really good for us as a church is another table. And see the table that, that Jesus is at. And it's the calling of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9 and verse, verse 9. It says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and they ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous. But to sinners. I find it interesting that Jesus, that these Pharisees, these people were not offended by Jesus calling Matthew as his disciple, but the fact that he was sitting at the table with him and eating. There was something powerful about what was going on. And Jesus makes the point. He says, This table is just not for us. This table is just not for our needs to be nourished and fed. But this is for the sick and the broken and the lonely, the disenfranchised to actually come into the table. And I would say this, we're not a perfect church, but we are a healthy church. We are a healthy church. There's good health in this church. That's why this table is just not about us meeting our needs. But this is a table Let 2022 be the greatest year of soul winning in the life of this church. Let this year be the year. You see, what I've realised this is that you'll find Jesus at the table with sinners. You'll find Jesus at the table with those that are not righteous. And not about you, but in this table, I want Jesus to always be here. I never want to be in a church where He says, well, I don't need to be there anymore. I want to be in a place where Jesus is at the table, where He's ministering and He's healing and He's impacting people's lives. And I realise this church that when we don't make it about us, but we make it about those that are generally sick in their soul, sick with a lack of understanding what God can do in their life, when we begin to shift our focus, it's amazing what God will do in this house as Jesus continues to be at the head of the table. And I want to encourage you, you know, tables are a great metaphor, but I want to encourage you this year. Let's make this house a table of thanksgiving. And let's make this house a place where we keep inviting and believing that the broken and the lowly and the disenfranchised and the hurting will come in here so that they can have an encounter with God for themselves. Amen. That's the vision. I've got nothing else. The stuff of what we're doing around the globe. 
I want the musicians to come. The things that we're doing in We Care, our online initiatives, our building programs. I'm just saying, you know, we have our hands full. But the culture of this house, let's never undervalue this community, church. This community is not perfect, but this is home to us. And together, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. But let's come with a, with a, with a unity of thanksgiving, amen? And let's come with a, with a unity of thinking outside of our circle and say so that this year we can believe that so many people that are right now dealing with so many fears around the globe can come to the table and experience Jesus for themselves. I pray that this will be a year for you and your family, a year of thanksgiving. I don't know what stresses you may be facing right now and I don't really know what challenges you, you are dealing with, but I, but I pray that in the midst of that, that it will be a year of thanksgiving, that you will thank your way out of some of the things that you're dealing with right now. There's something powerful when we thank the Lord and we honour Him and we worship Him. Let's never forget that, amen. We're going to take communion this morning and in the campuses, I want you to get ready and here at Danny Nong as well, why don't you just open up your communion cups? It'll take me a while. I always fumble these things. As we take communion, I'm reminded again of when Jesus did it with His disciples at the table. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I've also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to do that this morning. We're going to thank the Lord today. We're going to thank Him today. In the communion table, it is also a thanksgiving table today. We can thank the Lord that He's led us and guided us. We have eternal life and we know Him. He's taken us through probably some of the greatest challenges of the last two years. And not because we're anything important, but because who He is, because of what He did on the cross. Let's thank you for his body that was broken. Father, we thank you today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us so that we can have life and healing and wholeness and restoration. We thank you today, Lord Jesus. goes on to say in verse 25 in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bed and drink this club you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes remember that death on the cross that broke the dividing wall that death on the cross that brought restoration again and in that death God birthed a new covenant. You and I are here today, not because of our own good works. We're not good people. 
we're here today because of the new covenant. Could we put our faith not in ourselves and our own works, but we put our faith in Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And today He's washed us clean of every sin and every past mistake. Today, if you've messed up this week, you can come to Him and say, God, I'm sorry, and He'll wash you clean again because of the blood of the covenant. Let's thank Him today. Father, we thank You today. Lord Jesus, we thank You, God. Your blood that was shed on the cross.